Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. It's a Thursday edition of the program. So glad to be back with you. We had Bellarmine women on Wednesday, so no show. And that comes at an unopportune time because the Northwestern game on Tuesday night, obviously a loss for Indiana. But the bigger storyline surrounding this team is five scholarship players suspended, unable to play the game in Northwestern for violating team rules. And I think the best part of the storyline, obviously it could have very easily cost Indiana the loss on the road. We know this team's in the middle of a race to try to get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think it's Mike Woodson's response. I love it. I'm curious what you think, 502-414-1450 on the Thornton's text line. But his response to whatever team violation occurred at the hotel or with curfew or hanging out or partying or what, who knows what it was. There's all sorts of rumors, but whatever it was going on, his response, I think tells you a lot about how he intends to lead this program moving forward. And obviously, you know, for Indiana, if you're a player on this team, you've got to think, I I, I mean, the message has to be from the coaches. We're in the middle of a big 10 conference season. We're playing well at times. We've got a legitimate chance to make the tournament. We're playing at Northwestern who is a team that's playing well as of late, but we can still win this game. Indiana lost by, what, eight points, missing five guys, including a handful of starters. I mean, what a worst – is there a worse time for uh, a problem like this to arise and keep some starters and five scholarship players out of the game? Uh, Right here smack dab in the middle of a February run and also the start of an extremely four-tough game stretch. I think Northwestern was – the one of those four games, you would say Indiana, even though Northwestern's the home team, even though Northwestern is playing good basketball right now, that's the game Indiana can get out of this stretch, and they didn't get it. And uh, boy, the players are all the reason why, and such a big letdown, I know, for fans. But the one thing, and I'm glad to see this, the one thing I've been seeing and hearing from IU fans and seeing on the the message boards and the social media uh, pages where IU fans gather is they are rallying around what Mike Woodson said. And I think his message uh, tells you a lot, not just about this situation, which I'm sure will be passed here in a few days. And I, I can't imagine, unless there's more to the story than what we know, and we really don't know much, that they won't be back later this week for the next game for IU. But I think this tells you how he's going to lead the program, and I like it. I think it's uh, a lot of what Indiana needs – I don't think we saw this sort of leadership and discipline from recent coaches. I'm not going to get into bad-mouthing anything or anyone or any certain specific specific situation, but uh, definitely I think the one thing IU fans, after a road loss, 
in a game that Indiana should have won can can unite around is that Mike Woodson is doing the right thing uh, to lead this program and set the record straight and set the expectations once again. These aren't just team rules in a team meeting that no one else hears but players and coaches. This is uh, public. He addressed it after the game uh, in, you know, in the press conference. Obviously, he's going to be asked about it. Uh, but he he made it known his stance on uh, players and said if you don't like it you can leave if you can't follow rules you can leave and so I I think that resonates really good and so right now it seems like a terrible situation a bad bad loss a bad time for players to be suspended but long term I think Mike Woodson really helped himself as the IU coach uh, on Wednesday night on Tuesday night after that loss to Northwestern the way he handled things in the press conference so. Uh, I come in enthused about that as a guy that wants to see Indiana do well for no other reason. It helps this radio show, and you know I can tell by listens to the podcast and by the number of texts we get and by other metrics that we can gauge on a regular basis how in tune fans are with what we're saying and with what we're talking about and if they're listening or not based on how this Indiana team is performing. And so uh, I want Indiana to do well and to succeed and for it to be a great place for us to gather uh, once a day to talk IU basketball. And I think Mike Woodson is setting the tone for that. It may not get to the level you want it this season, but it, it is. I think under Mike Woodson, very enthused with what he's doing, how he's coaching, how he's leading this team. That's a big word there. When you think of some recent situations in IU with coaches leading, he's actually doing that. So uh, kudos to Mike Woodson. I wanted to start the show with that today. And I'd be real curious to know your opinion as well. Again, it's hard to really have a true opinion on what happened with the players and should they just be suspended for a game or should this be a bigger lesson that keeps them out for a while because we really don't know what the specific situation was we just know it was a violation of team rules but I'm curious your thoughts on the whole situation Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450 again 502-414-1450 and welcome into our Thursday show let's take a quick look at the show lineup a service of Honeybake Tam in New Albany segment one we've got some headlines news of the day a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news coming up here in just a few moments. We'll talk more about IU. Also, the IU women with a big win last night. I, I think maybe they're they're rolling again. We'll see. They had a, a pause because of COVID, and then the team they were supposed to play had COVID. Uh, but they appear to be back uh, in midseason form as they head down this February stretch as well to the NCAA tournament, number seven ranked as well. Really got a great record in the Big Ten Conference, so we'll discuss that. And then last night I was at Silver Creek for the Floyd Central-Silver Creek game, and I know that the Dragons are not what they were the last few years. I still think they are a quality ball club that can make some noise uh, in the sectional and have a chance to defend things there, but uh, boy, Floyd Central's really good. And I've said that a couple times here recently. I think a lot of other people agree with that sentiment, and uh, we'll talk about the Highlanders coming up. They absolutely rolled Silver Creek last night uh, in a uh, rare Wednesday night boys game here <clears throat> in the area. Uh, let's take a look. That's the show lineup. Uh, for segment one, segment two, we'll be joined by Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. He's always with us on Thursdays as we talk the latest with IU Hoops. We'll get IU's, or Alex's thought on the suspensions and what we know. We'll get Alex's thoughts on the Northwestern game. We'll look ahead at this tough stretch that IU is now smack dab in the middle of as well coming up. And then later in the show, Matt Weaver of Peaks.com is going to drop in. A lot of, lot of movement there with IU football, the coaching staff especially, 
and uh, just want to catch up with him on some off-season things. So Matt Weaver will be with us a little bit <clears throat> later in the hour here on this Thursday. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget the Thornton's text line open, 502 414 1450 again 502-414-1450 you can download the thornton's refreshing rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day and we'd love to hear your thoughts on iu hoops your questions for alex or for football matt weaver joining us later in the show or maybe you want to sound off on a local topic you can send those into the text line as well and uh, let's uh, take a look at our headlines for today uh, starting with IU, obviously disappointing <clears throat> is the performance at Northwestern, but when you factor who was out and the situation that was going on in the background, very, I think, understandable to see <clears throat> how this team lost on the road, although they were still in the game <clears throat> Excuse me, until late in the contest. One point I want to make is Trey Galloway. Um, you know, he got the start basically because of players being out, other guards being out, Xavier Johnson <clears throat> being out. He ran the point guard slot for IU for much of the game. And I'm not so sure, and I'd love to, to know what Alex thinks coming up in just a bit, I'm not so sure that he didn't make a case on Tuesday night at Northwestern with the way he played and what he did for the team, that he he should be in the starting lineup moving forward here from the, the next game. So uh, sometimes things happen for a reason, even though it may not appear to be good on the surface. And you just have to wonder if uh, Tuesday night's opportunity breakthrough for Trey Galloway in the starting lineup uh, isn't uh, something that will be uh, very beneficial for him moving forward. Also, a little disappointed in Miller Cop. Um, you know, it seemed like every time Indiana played him when he was at Northwestern, <clears throat> he just hit dagger three-pointers that really affected Indiana because I went through the results on Tuesday, the last four games uh, in Evanston, Indiana had only won one, and it was an overtime victory over uh, the Wildcats. But he played 34 minutes, Miller Cop did the other night. He was just one of seven from the field. He had only three points. And so you want to talk about a disappointing homecoming I can guarantee you he came in there, especially with some other players out, thinking that it was going to be his night and he was going to be putting the daggers on Northwestern, and it just simply you know, did not go, work that way for Miller Cop. So I thought that was another disappointing takeaway from the game. But ultimately, uh, this loss is on the five IU guys, specifically the starters that were unavailable, that were suspended for the game at Northwestern. And looking ahead – at the schedule, this is an IU team at 16-7 and seven overall. They're 7-6 and six in conference. They could easily be 8-6 and six today with some very tough games ahead of them had players not been suspended for Tuesday's game. Now you go to Michigan State on the road Saturday. You've got Wisconsin, who's playing great basketball at home on Tuesday. Then you probably have the toughest of the four games overall at Ohio State the following Saturday. So uh, this is a game, Tuesday night is a game, Indiana. We said it's not a must-win for NCAA tournament purposes, but for so many reasons it was the game they really needed to win. And for them not to do it, 
I tell you, it's concerning. Things were trending, I think, IU definitely toward the NCAA tournament. I would have bet a lot of money before Tuesday's game that they're headed to the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying that that's all changed now, but I really want to see how this team bounces back. They've got to get one of these against Michigan State on the road or Wisconsin at home or at Ohio State next week, I think, to keep the positive momentum toward the NCAA tournament moving forward. So more on that coming up. Also, the IU women last night, 17-3, and their record after they absolutely blasted Illinois by a score of 93-61. IU now 9-1 and in league play. I looked at the Big Ten women's standings this morning. They are in second place behind Michigan, who has an 11-1 record in the Big Ten Conference. So the women, as we go into the final, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks maybe, of the regular season, the conference season, they've got a legitimate chance to tie or win the Big Ten Conference from a women's perspective, and that's very exciting uh, for them as well. Also, last night I mentioned we had some high school basketball on Thursday, uh, Wednesday night. It was Floyd Central at Silver Creek <clears throat> in a rare Wednesday night game. The Highlanders uh, absolutely cruised in the second half. They outscored Silver Creek 22-7 in the third period to go on and to win 75-47. It's been a long time since Silver Creek has had a home loss, really a loss at all, of that margin. Of course, Silver Creek, uh, led by Brandon Northern, he had 21 points. He was five away from his average of 26, just over 26, really, his average for the Dragons going into last night. And uh, Silver Creek, without Caden Oliver, transfer in from Madison, uh, don't have all the specifics, but he still is going through the approval process. It sounds like a transfer because of his mother being hired into the administration that that will happen, that it's just a matter of time, but there is some things slowing it down. So I think that we will see him for Silver Creek. I can guarantee you Brandon Hoffman is sure hoping it's sooner rather than later so he can get some games under his belt in advance of the upcoming sectional. But he will be a big lift for the Dragons, who definitely will be able to use his help going into the postseason. Floyd Central, let me let me talk about them for just a moment. I know I've said this a few times here in recent shows. 15-2 and two are the Highlanders. Last night, uh, from top to bottom, from big men to guard, seniors to underclassmen, they were fantastic. Caleb Washington had a great game for the Highlanders. He had 11 points in the first half and was basically unstoppable. Uh, Wes, uh, Wesley Selahusky, he continues to be really good. He had 10 points, so you know he reached double figures, but my goodness, he does so many other things on the defensive end of the floor and rebounding as well on both ends of the floor. I think in one possession he blocked two or three shots in one possession last night. I mean, this guy's a legitimate seven-foot with a big wingspan. So uh, Floyd Central, my point is here, they've got the guards, they've got the scores, they've got the shooters. And Brandon Hoffman, I read his comments to the News and Tribune last night, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, Floyd Central's a state championship caliber team coming out of Southern Indiana. I've said that. I agree totally with that. He also noted that especially they're a state championship level team if they're hitting their outside shots as well. They did pretty good at that last night for sure, and I agree. I think that's the key. Can Floyd Central shoot it long? Can Cole Harrett and some of the other guards get hot, stay hot for the postseason, get ready for the postseason coming up here in the future weeks? This Highlander team is really good. They've got the size, the commitment to defense, the guards, Everyone plays their role. Todd Sturgeon is a fantastic coach. He's a guy that it had he had a full career in high school basketball uh, and not been a college assistant, a college head coach for many years, 
he would have some outrageous win total as well at Floyd Central or wherever he coached at in Indiana High School basketball. But I really think without question, uh, locally, it's Floyd Central, maybe across southern Indiana, it's Floyd Central that can best get to Indianapolis and represent our area in the state finals. That's a lot of pressure, I know, but I really feel that that team is that good. Now in the sectional, two unknowns. I don't want to say two unknowns, but one unknown. That's Jeffersonville. Can they get it rolling? They've got the talent to beat anybody, to play with anybody. That remains to be seen with everything that they've went through this year. Jennings County did give the Highlanders a little problems. They match up with them okay. Uh, I still don't think they're a legitimate challenger for the sectional, given how good Floyd is playing now. But on given nights, this Jennings County team is pretty good. So just a couple thoughts about Seymour, which will be here before you know it. Can't wait to get into postseason basketball here in the state of Indiana. That's a look at our headlines for this Thursday edition of the program. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Love to hear from you. What do you think about Mike Woodson? Do you agree with the suspensions? Do you agree with the discipline? We've got some text, and we'll get to it here in just a few moments with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. Stay with us. A lot of IU basketball chatter ahead. Then we'll get into some IU football stuff. This is a Thursday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Thursday edition of the program. Thornton's text line is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We've got a couple of great texts. I'm going to read uh, one that just came in. Mike Woodson, texture says, was suspended while on a trip to Alaska. Knight suspended him and kicked uh, a couple off the team. Apparently, Mike agrees with Knight, and I agree with Mike. Also, another texture. This is Sean. He writes, this season is... Uh, is in uh, compared to other years, this year's not as important. Woodson has very limited talent, and will uh, the ship will be righted by the culture change and adding the correct players that fit the system. So, so far, every everything I've heard, every text I've gotten, people obviously in agreement with Mike Woodson and love that he's stepping up with some discipline into this program. Alex Bozich inside the hall is with us now. We'll talk about uh, this subject more with Alex, and we'll recap the Northwestern game since we did not have a Wednesday show due to the Bellarmine women's game, and we'll also get you ready for the upcoming weekend as well. A big challenge as IU goes on the road to Michigan State. Alex, welcome in. How you doing, Matt? Good to, good to talk to you after uh, not being on last week. Absolutely. Uh, I, I've heard nothing but support for Mike Woods and people loving that he's stepping up with discipline for this program. Obviously, we don't know too much about when on, what went on to cause the suspensions of five scholarship players for the Hoosiers, but uh, Coach Woodson setting a tone even in the middle of a very, very important part of the season if this Indiana team is going to get back to the NCAA tournament after a pause there. Yeah, they, they seem to, uh, the fans seem to agree with the decision. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of ways of, of looking at it. You know, I come from the perspective more of if you're if you're going to have team rules and somebody breaks them, uh, 
it's got to be consistent in terms of how you enforce it. So I don't disagree with the decision of uh, if team rules were broken or if these guys uh, didn't kind of uphold whatever they need to be doing, uh, they should not play. I agree with that. Uh, the uh, I guess the, the opposing view, or some people um, may disagree with the suspensions in that it was a game where Indiana really needed probably uh, to win. Uh, you know, there's no game uh, on the schedule that's a must win, but you look at the remaining road games uh, on the schedule, uh, there were uh, so, some uh, that were more favorable for wins than others, and this was certainly one of them. Uh, I think outside of the Minnesota trip that, that's still to come, it was on paper the most winnable game, and, and really the way that Northwestern played in the game uh, had Indiana had its full complement of players and had Indiana played better, it was definitely a winnable game. But, you know, Mike Woodson's taking, uh, you know, a, a, the long-term approach uh, in terms of building the culture in the program, and, and I can't disagree with, with what he did uh, from the standpoint of, you know, as I mentioned earlier, if you're going to have the respect of your players and if you're going to uh, have – a locker room that's cohesive and on the same page, you simply can't let guys break rules and, and continue to play uh, and not have any punishment for it. So from that standpoint, I agree with it. Uh, you know, obviously uh, it's now important that Indiana figures out a way uh, if they're not going to have these guys moving forward. And we don't really know what the status is of any of them moving forward, uh, figures out a way to, to play better, uh, whether it be with the full complement of players next game or with a depleted roster. Uh, they've got to figure out a way here in these next couple weeks uh, to get some wins. Uh, Michigan State obviously is a is the next game on the schedule, uh, Matt. But I just recorded a a podcast with with Mike DeCourcy that I uh, just published, and we were talking a little bit about the upcoming schedule. And uh, I agree with him. I think next week's game against Wisconsin at home is. Uh, and we won't talk again before that game, but I, I think that's shaping up to be potentially uh, the most pivotal game remaining on Indiana's schedule. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Um, as far as the suspensions go, it's it's just so hard to talk mm-hmm. about this stuff because we don't know particulars, but it's hard to believe unless it's something more major than kind of what rumors are swirling around out there. It's hard to believe that, the, right. that everyone won't be back for Saturday's game. Would you be surprised if Indiana's not back to full force Saturday at Michigan State? Yeah, well, what I can tell you is my understanding of, of IU policy, uh, and, and I don't know if this is a Big Ten thing, but I know with Indiana in the past, and you know, there's been suspensions that have happened, Matt, since I've been coming on your show, and there's been suspensions in obviously the Archie Miller era. There was Tom Green suspensions, and uh, typically when there's a suspension for uh, three games in the past, it's been uh, because of usually a you know a failed drug test. And uh, what I was told in this particular instance uh, is that when when something like that happens. Uh, and looking back on all the other previous suspensions, uh, when something like that happens and a guy's suspended, they don't dress uh, in uniform for the game. They don't warm up for the team. They may sit on the bench, but they're not available uh, to play. This this seemed more of uh, something, uh, you know, the guys were obviously on the road trip. Um, so you just kind of, you know, you, you don't want to speculate, but you just kind of look at the situation and say, you know, what could have happened here? And, and obviously, 
Uh, if it's not drug related, it's obviously behavior uh, of some type off the court, uh, looking like uh, something on the trip that happened. And so, uh, based on what Woodson said uh, after the post game uh, press com- after the game and his post game comments, uh, he said that he didn't really make the decision or find out that they were going to be without those players until the morning of. So that leads me to believe it was something that happened while they were on the trip. Uh, obviously, like I said, don't want to speculate as to what happened, but. It, it would seem to me that uh, this would be a situation where uh, you're not going to see these guys out for a prolonged period of time. And hopefully uh, they're able to get back on the court uh, against Michigan state on Saturday, because Indiana really needs uh, to have more depth, particularly at the guard position than what they had uh, the other night at Northwestern. You know, I read a text coming into the segment from a texture that, you know, really this season inconsequential to Mike Woodson's future. And now's the time he needs to set the tone and, and, uh, set the discipline expectations. I agree completely with that. However, it, it, it this suspension, this this loss at Northwestern couldn't happen at a more tough time as far as the schedule goes because this team has done some good things recently and I think is or was trending toward the NCAA tournament, if not uh, in the field. I think most people had him as of earlier this week and probably still do. Uh, but it, it really comes at a terrible time. I know there's never a great mm-hmm. time to have players out but for, for various reasons, but with some of the wins this team had had recently, um, things were going in a good direction, and, and you just wonder how the bounce back will be from a negative situation like this. Yeah, it's impossible to predict. Um, you know, uh, it's there's there's the thing I, I think that's most, kind of concerning to me uh and and they're all obviously um 18 years old and and the the uh kind of know what expected behavior is and all that but yeah I was most disappointed to see uh just this happen with with Xavier Johnson and Stewart and Durr because you look at there was a situation earlier this season with Stewart where I believe it was the first half of a game, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, where he didn't uh, play in that first half. And after the game, Mike Woodson basically said, you know, he was the coach's decision not to play him. And there was a couple of games where Durr didn't play. And Woodson was kind of asked about those uh, situations and it was the coach's decision. Uh, so in the, both of those instances, those guys dress, but it doesn't seem like it's the first time that they've kind of, been uh, in trouble uh, with with Woodson or had a, some type of issue, um, and, and Johnson's been around long enough. It's his fourth year of college basketball. He's the point guard of this team, and kind of going back to the thing we talked about earlier in the season. You know, Indiana can't afford to have him off the court due to foul trouble. Well, they definitely can't afford to have him missing games due to suspension. Uh, so, you know, those are. Uh, in the case of those three guys, and you look at Parker Stewart's going to be 24 years old this this summer. Michael Durr's already 23. He'll be 24 next December. Those guys should definitely uh, be leading by example behind the scenes. And they obviously let uh, their teammates down, let the program down. And so uh, I think the the response needs to be um, get you know kind of getting themselves back in the right frame of mind to. To come out and help the team win and and, and figure out a way to to uh, to be better teammates. I think that's uh, the the response that Indiana needs uh, 
to be successful moving forward because this can go one of two ways. Those guys can uh, respond and, and do better and, and help the team moving forward, or they can uh, continue to to exhibit behavior that's that's unacceptable and and continue to make this an issue. And that would obviously be a huge problem for this team uh, if it helps to win many games moving forward. Alex Bozich inside the hall joining us for the latest on IU basketball. You can read Alex's website, insidethehall.com. Follow him on Twitter at insidethehall. I do wonder, Alex, for Trey Galloway, if this wasn't a breakthrough opportunity for him do you think that with what we saw, his performance at Northwestern, what he adds, and really even off the bench recently has added to the team, do you think he now is in the starting lineup given the uh, suspensions and the, the movement there the other night? Yeah, I think he should be. Uh, whether he is is obviously a, an open-ended question because we don't, don't know and we've seen a hesitation from Mike Woodson for whatever reason, not only – uh, a resistance to changing starting lineups, but he doesn't really even tinker with the lineup in the second half to, in, in certain games. I mean, looking back to that Purdue game, Rob Finnessy had that great first half, and Woodson didn't start him in the second half. And so you look at this uh, situation, and you think it, it looks like a, a natural breaking point, a good time to, to push things up. And you know, it, it's nothing uh, against Miller, Cop, or Parker Stewart, or what they brought to the team, but you look at Trey Galloway and the dimension that he can bring. I, I think with the offensive struggles they have, they're the 12th best offense right now in the Big Ten when you look at Ken Palm's uh, adjusted offensive efficiency ratings uh, for the whole season. They're, they're outside of the top 100. That's worse than any of Archie Miller's teams in Indiana. And I think a big part of the problem is how one-dimensional uh, a lot of their players are, particularly on the perimeter. Parker Stewart and Miller Copper basically catch-and-shoot guys Whereas Trey Galloway, he can make the occasional three, but he can also do some stuff uh, in terms of facilitating for others and getting to the rim. So I just think he brings a different dimension, and I think if he were in the starting lineup as opposed to one of those other guys, uh, I think it would definitely uh, bring a little bit more versatility. I'm not saying it's going to be a fix. I'm not necessarily saying it's the guarantee that Indiana is going to play better, but I think it's definitely worth exploring and worth shaking it up because I think right now, with what they have with Stewart and Kopp, it's just way too predictable to guard. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Let's go to the text line. Uh, does Alex think a 10-10 and 10 Big Ten mark would get us in the tournament? Your thoughts on that? Yes. Um, that, that would mean uh, they win three more Big Ten games. Um, the, the, you know, obviously the four games in that stretch that look the most likely uh, for wins are uh, Wisconsin at home. Uh, they've got Maryland at home, Rutgers at home, and at Minnesota. They win three of those. They're 10 and 10, 19 and 11 uh, overall going to Indianapolis. They probably have to win one game in the Big Ten tournament to feel good but about themselves. But I think, you know, if they're able to beat Wisconsin, uh, I definitely think they're going to be in really good shape with a 10 and 10. Uh, Big Ten record because they would have those three home wins uh, over Wisconsin, Ohio State, and uh, Purdue, and a 500 record in, in one of the better leagues in the country. I, I don't see them being left out at that point. But you also got to remember, winning at Minnesota is no uh, sure thing. I know Minnesota last lost last night to Nebraska, so uh, they are, are definitely not going in the right direction. 
but the Rutgers game at home is another one you look at and say that's no sure thing with the way Rutgers has been playing lately. Rutgers is trying to get back into contention to to be discussed for the NCAA tournament. They have a ton of bad non-conference losses, but have some really good wins in in league play, and they beat Indiana three times last year. So they're going to have some confidence coming into Bloomington that they can win that game. So, yeah, I I think 10-10 gets them in. Sorry to be a little bit long-winded here, but, uh, you know, getting to 10-10 is going to be quite difficult, I think, for this team. Alex, another topic I had jotted down for today was this IU offense, and I know that you can – basically throw Tuesday's game out because of uh, all the changes and suspensions. But this offensive IU, and you wrote about it after the game uh, on Tuesday at Northwestern, this offense for Indiana, it's it's not improving. And down the stretch heading into mid-February here in just a few days, you would expect to see uh, it getting better as we get closer and closer to the postseason. It's not getting better, Matt. It's getting worse. Look at the at the numbers. They're trending in the wrong direction, and that kind of goes back to what I said about maybe switching things up that this is the time to do it. Uh, I think it's it's become quite apparent. Um, the other night, obviously, it's kind of an exception because of the limited availability of players, but Indiana's really uh, a lot easier to, to, to game plan than, than maybe we, we thought at the beginning of the season because most of their guys – uh, can only score in, in one or two ways. There's not a lot of versatility on the roster. And the Big Ten uh, coaching in the league and the scouting is, is just so so good uh, that teams know what's coming. And they, they, the, the tape is out on Indiana. They know that, you know, if you make Trace Jackson Davis uh, uncomfortable in the paint, uh, he's not always the best at going through contact and finishing at the rim. They know that if you can keep Miller Cop and, and Parker Stewart from getting space on the perimeter, they're not a threat to do much else offensively. Xavier Johnson is the one guy that can change speeds and knock down three-pointers and get into the, the lane score. But even Race Thompson, I think when he was hitting those threes, that, that, that stretch of games was a huge positive. But the ways in which he can score, I mean, he's a, a decent mid-range player, but he mostly does most of his uh, work in the paint. So, uh, you know, the offense – definitely uh, is holding this team back. I mean, they got a top 15 defense in the country, but the offense uh, is, is the problem. And, and we're late into the season now, late enough into the season, where you kind of are what you what you are as a team. I mean, there's maybe there's some small wrinkles and things you can change, but Indiana's going to have to win games with defense and hope that they can get some timely shooting and, and playmaking uh, to win some tough games here down the stretch. Talking with Alex Bozich. Alex, we're going to get more into Michigan State on Friday in advance of that game mm-hmm. on Saturday. But just a, a quick chat on them for a moment. They've lost two straight. They lost at Rutgers 83-64, so that's kind of a sizable loss. And they lost at home uh-huh. on Tuesday night to Wisconsin by 8.70-62. So a Michigan State team that is having a good year overall. I think they're 8-4 and four in conference play, 17-6 and six overall. But coming into this game against IU, they've lost two in a row. Yeah, they're going to be hungry for a win. Uh, they don't losing home games is, is not acceptable. Obviously, uh, at Michigan State, they don't lose a lot of home games, and and they, uh, you know, they lose this game, and and they're going to be taking a sizable hit uh, with a three-game losing streak in terms of their seeding. Uh, they need to get going on the right track. You know, the thing I'll say about Michigan State is I don't think they're a a team that 
is is all that talented. I mean, they've got some good players, but uh, they're not uh, as good as some of the the really good Michigan State teams that he's had over the years, or they've had lottery picks like Jaron Jackson or, or Gary Harris or Miles um, Bridges. Those guys are all now uh, playing in the NBA and had one on the have good careers. I don't think this team has that type of talent, but what they do have is uh, a team that's relentless on the glass and a team uh, that, that plays hard and plays together. They are turnover prone. I think that's one thing where Indiana is really going to have to try to give themselves an advantage in the game. And it all comes down uh, really to who's going to be available for Indiana. If they don't have their full team, uh, I, don't, I don't see any chance they go in and win this game. If everybody's back, and guys are uh, in the right frame of mind. I think they, they can go and make this a, a competitive game, not saying it's one they should win, but uh, they, they, they need to get back to playing better because uh, the most important stretch of the season is coming up. We all knew this was going to be a tough stretch, but I think now they've put a little bit of extra pressure on themselves by not being able to take advantage of that Northwestern game. Yep, no question. Alex Bozich inside the hall. He joins us Thursdays to talk IU hoops. And again, you can read his coverage at insidethehall.com. Alex, thank you. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. All right, we'll head to a commercial break and uh, come back with Matt Weaver of Peaks.com as we talk a little IU football. Some uh, real shakeup here in the offseason as far as a couple different coaching positions go. So we'll discuss that here coming back from the break. And uh, Get you all set for tonight. There's actually a pretty decent slate of uh, high school games tonight and this weekend. We'll mention that if we have time as well. Stay with us. You're listening to a Thursday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for all the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Thursday edition of the program. Matt Weaver of Pigs.com is my guest. Time to talk a little IU football for the first time in a while. And Matt, a lot of movement in the offseason. It was confirmed yesterday. I think we knew this, but IU going to open the 2022 season on a Friday night against Illinois. I, I like opening the season against Illinois, but I think you and I have talked about this before. I hate Friday night Big Ten football games because it interferes with high school football. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, obviously I understand the attraction for the Big Ten and for TV, you know, TV networks. So that's basically who's deciding these kind of things. Um, you know, those primetime games and you kind of, you know, it's like there's only a few games on. I think I think I saw it announced today. I think uh, I want to say Purdue and Penn State or Penn State and somebody was moved to the Thursday before that, the first. Um, and I get it. You know, it, it's more eyes on the uh, on the old uh, television screen. But, yeah, I'm with you. Friday night is for, for high school football. And I just don't like I don't like taking away from high school football in this, not just in this state anywhere. I think it's I think that's a special night for for the high school players, and I think it should stay that way. But you know, money talks. <laughs> Definitely, I think uh, we're in the minority as far a lot of people agree with our sentiment, but uh, we're in the minority as far as the the people in power. I think that's for sure. 
Uh, Matt Weaver, my guest, Little IU Football. A lot of movement with coaches here in the offseason. I want to bring up the latest addition to the IU staff. Craig Johnson has been hired as associate head coach and running backs coach at IU. Comes to IU from the 2020 season when he was a senior analyst at Maryland. Uh, that's nothing you know, terribly impressive, but boy, this guy's NFL background and the track record he has in the pros, that is impressive. Yeah, he he is. I mean, you, you look at some, and he's he's been. What's interesting is he's been a quarterback coach and a running back coach. Coach Steve McNair when he won the MVP for the Titans in two thousand three. Coach Vince Young in two thousand six when he was Rookie of the Year. Um, coach Saquon Barkley uh, was a coach at Chris Johnson. You know, who's still got the record, I believe, for fastest combine time forty at the at the at the combine. Coach Saquon Barkley his first couple of years with the Giants. So his track record of coaching, he's been an offensive coordinator at Maryland quite a, you know quite a number of years ago, late '90s. So his his experience as a coach is very impressive. You know the one question I talked about this on our board, and to me it's not a big deal. If you can recruit, you can recruit. But he hasn't recruited in a long time. It's been since the late '90s, about 22 years. Um, so to me, getting recruiting obviously then is a lot different. There was no you know Twitter and Instagram and all the stuff that we have now back then so you know those are things that he's gonna have to adjust to but i'm a believer that if you can recruit you can recruit it's like a salesperson some people are really good at sales and some people really have to work at it and if you're good at sales if you're good at recruiting it's like getting on a bike you just get back on and ride and you'll be fine so i don't know how he was as a recruiter back then i'm not saying he'll be a good recruiter but you know if if he was a strong recruiter 20 something years ago i don't think that's going to change i think it's going to take a little time to adjust to how things are done now but Building relationships are building relationships. If he can do that, then he can recruit. All right, uh, Matt, lots of changes in the offseason. I think most, well, some expected, some unexpected as far as the coaching staff goes. Um, does all the change in turnover um, provide any, obviously there's a level of uncertainty anytime there's new people brought into a staff, but is there a lot of uncertainty surrounding uh, this coaching staff heading into the season as far as new guys and potential changes and maybe things Coach Allen wants to change from last season after things didn't go the way IU had hoped. Do you, do you sense that, that, that there's a lot of uncertainty around things? Well, I think there's a lot of unknown. I mean, you know, I, I, well, I, I guess uncertainty is the word you could use too. I mean, college football coaching in general is a nomadic lifestyle. I mean, you guys jump from job to job. Now, some of the ones that – you know, you had a D.C. come in for one year and leave to go be a co-D.C. I guess in a sense it's a step down. But, you know, if Coach Warren feels more comfortable coaching in a certain, you know, uh, conference or area than he, does, than he did here, I mean, you know, I, I don't I, – I was not in the doors, but maybe he wasn't the best fit for whatever reason. He was a great guy, but maybe it just wasn't the right fit. You know, Dylan McCullough leaving after one year. If a coach came into Indiana and left after one year because they got offered a job in Notre Dame, it wouldn't really rise, raise a whole lot of eyebrows. But the circumstances behind him coming to Indiana, pursuing the job, leaving the NFL, being the associate head coach, it kind of does raise some eyebrows. I mean, in my, for me it does. I mean, you know, why, why would he do it? Now, obviously, it's still Notre Dame. That's an attractive place. Guys, their tight ends coach just got the OC job at Boston College. So you get promoted from Notre Dame. You get, you get opportunities. But it does raise some eyebrows. It doesn't mean things are bad. But I do, you know, the, you know, continuity is obviously good, and in, in, in most in most businesses, and definitely in coaching. So having so much turnover is maybe not the most ideal thing, but it doesn't mean you can't have a good season. It'll be interesting. This spring is going to be very interesting. Hopefully, we get to see some practice time 
uh, as the media get to watch them out there because I'm very interested to see these new coaches and see what kind of different things you know they bring. The defense is going to look like Tom Allen's defense, but obviously new OC, a lot of new guys on both sides of the ball. 30 something or 19 guys coming in 32 will be this fall and that could grow who knows so you know it's it's there are some question marks no doubt about it does coaching changes slow down IU's recruiting they were really flying if with this most recent class again despite kind of a lackluster season but uh, how are things looking for the future and how do new coaches affect that process well, there's, they've already got relationships built. Now, some guys are going to have to jump in, you know, midstream, so to speak, because they, they, you know, wherever, like, you know, the running backs coach, he hasn't been recruiting at all, so he's definitely going to be jumping in midstream. But some of these other guys, a Walt Bell, he was probably not recruiting a lot of the same guys that he's now recruiting in Indiana. Maybe there was some carryover or, or lap layover, but, you know, probably not a lot. I mean, the D-line coach, you know, from Texas Tech, you know, there might have been some guys that he was – but it, it – like I said, if you can recruit, building that relationship, you may be a little bit behind. You're just going to have to work a little bit harder. I mean, if you if you if other schools know a kid better than you, um, you're just going to have to work a little bit harder, harder to get to know him. You know, maybe spend more time on the phone with him, try to get him on campus, and spend as much time when you're allowed to, and spend as much time as you can. So, but you know, it all starts with Tom Allen, and he's the one that has an idea what he wants, the areas he wants to recruit, the players he wants to go after. It's up to his assistants to go out there and do the legwork and really build that relationship, so that when they bring him on campus, he can kind of close the deal. All right, Matt Weaver, Peaks.com with us. We're talking IU football to close out this Thursday edition of the program. I mentioned Illinois, September 2, a Friday night to open the season. Then it's Idaho, Western Kentucky, Cincinnati before getting back into Big Ten play the rest of the way. Can you compare and contrast schedules for this upcoming season as opposed to last year? A lot of the same teams, obviously the Big Ten divisional play is still the same, but um, your, your take on who IU's facing, how good those teams are, and how maybe it compares to last year. Better, tougher, easier? Well, I think obviously last year the schedule, the early part of the season, the schedule the entire year was not easy, but it was really front-heavy loaded. You know, you start at Iowa. I mean, I think I think the next week I want to say it was Idaho maybe, and then you have at Cincinnati at home. You have to go to Western Kentucky. Um, you know, then you obviously you get you jump back into the Big Ten with some with some tough games. So this year, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that it's these are these are all gimmies, but there you Indiana has a chance in the first six or seven games to really make some hay, in my opinion. If you're if you can come out and get off to a good start after those first you know six or seven games, you could be you know five and uh, six and one, five and two, somewhere in that neighborhood. Now the last four or five games are tough. Um, you know you, you you're going to have I think Penn State's in there, I think Michigan State's in there, uh, Ohio State's in there. Um, obviously you got Purdue at home, which is always a tough game no matter where it's played because of the rivalry. So. To me, they really need to get off to a good start. Your, your non-conference schedule, you know, at Cincinnati is going to be tough, but obviously they lost a lot. It'll be interesting to see how good they are because of all they lost. Now, they got a great staff, great coach, and I'm sure they got good players coming up, but they did lose a lot. They should probably take a little bit of a step back. And the other non-conference games, I, I want to say you have Idaho. I think it's Idaho again, maybe Western Kentucky. Um, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but it's 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 a manageable schedule. And then, you know, Illinois starting off. That they improved last year, but it's a game you can win. So to me, it's kind of flip flop. Last this year, the front part of it was really strong, and the back half was still strong, but maybe not as tough. And now it's kind of reversed itself for 2022. All right, Matt Weaver, Peaks.com. A little IU football discussion to wrap up this Thursday program. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. No problem, guys. Take care. 
All right, a uh, little IU football here. A lot of, lot of changes this offseason. It'll be interesting to see what IU football looks like as we get closer to the season. A couple other texts I want to get in from the Thornton's text line uh, from earlier. Coach Woodson handled it perfectly. I just hope it doesn't cause turmoil amongst the teammates from the ones that are abiding by the rules and the ones that didn't. Hopefully they will grow from it and play as a team. Another text says, uh, my opinion, this was a defining moment for Woodson and will also be a defining moment for the team this season. They will either come together and play their butts off or uh, it'll head the other direction. So a couple uh, comments there on the IU suspensions earlier this week. Have a great Thursday. Back with you Friday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report.